Hey listeners, so this week we got a great episode where Arza and I just talk through the ins and outs of trying to protect yourself and keeping work and kink life separate. Had some interesting points, but I will say up front, we are not legal experts. Um, this is not official legal advice. This is just us talking through things. So before we get on with the show, I would like to thank our lovely patrons. Uh, so Stuart Timmins, uh, Nick Bain, Adam Ferris, Connor Bone, Deco Very, Brian C, Harry Hypnotist, and Matthew O'Mara. Thank you so much to you and also all of our $1 tier patrons. You make the show possible. Um, you're letting us improve our editing suite, um, sound quality. Everything is slowly getting better thanks to you. You make this show possible. So thanks for that. And now, on with the show. <laughs> Hello and welcome to this month's Kinky Boy podcast. I'm here with my co-host Arza. Howdy, howdy. And today we're going to talk about some practical stuff, which is basically how to keep work and kink life separate. Which is a situation that is very near and dear to my heart right now because I'm actually working with some of my kinkster friends that I referred to the office. Ah, so you have personal experience with this. I, I do indeed. I, I am going to leave the pup's name out of this because he's, he's very much a leave home at home and, and take mm-hmm. work to work guy. But basically, the place where I worked took off like a bottle rocket during the pandemic. We make virtual campuses and meeting places. So as you can imagine, <laughs> everyone wanted us for everything. <laughs> and during our explosive growth, we went from like 15 people to 180 in a year. Wow. Yeah, it was really easy to say, you know, hey, I I know someone who's got this skill set or that. And Mm -hmm. uh, a friend of mine met the criteria. I referred him in. He got hired. He's doing super well. But both of us kind of have to be a a wink and a nod to each other about the fact that we're both furries and we're both kinksters. Yeah, it's because I have known people that are like fully out in their workplace about being kinky. But obviously not every workplace is like that. And especially for people in the US where you have a lot of states have fire at will policies, that can be a lot more risky. Yeah, and it's a very affirming workplace. Don't get me wrong. During Pride Month on our main campus, we changed all of the flags on the main campus to be literally all of the LGBTQ flags, every single one of them. We made sure they were all represented. And our CEO is from the same part of America that I am, and also uh, the colleague I referred. We're all from Massachusetts. And let's just say in Massachusetts, profanity is more like how you say hello. So it's not, <laughs> uncommon, it's not uncommon for our CEO to say shit and other stuff in meetings. So we're very laid back, and it's all of that. But we're also super professional, and we tend to be hyper-invested in our work. In fact, so much so that HR is trying to get us to take more time off because most of us steadfastly refuse because we've got stuff to do. So it's, it's still a balancing act. There, there's a lot of stuff I can bring into the workplace, but I feel like kink is a distraction. Yeah. And obviously there are people in other workplaces where it would be just outright hostile from the off. That would be nearly every workplace I was in when I lived in Texas, like almost every single one. In fact, just being gay was enough for me to get some coworkers in the 90s to come up in my face in front of my manager and tell me all the things they believed, like that I was going to hell and a horrible person and everything else, and HR would not live. Part of why I don't live in Texas. But yeah, it it really depends also, at least in this country, regionally. Right now, I live in the Pacific Northwest, and that's very intentional. It's a a very, very liberal, kink-affirming place. But at the same time, you know, some of us have, have professional jobs where we have to be very careful with that mix. Yeah. And there's also the other end of even if the workplace is affirming, there can be consequences. About two years ago, maybe three now, because, you know, time has no meaning anymore. There was quite a high profile case of someone getting fired from his charity position once essentially a group of turfs found his uh, pics online in rubber. Mm-hmm. And even though his workplace basically knew about this, and once it became a PR problem, that was a different case. 
Yeah, there, there have been situations in the United States where teachers have lost their positions because <clears throat> in essence, someone found their kink profile and went, even though you keep it out of the workplace, even though you are a stellar performer mm -hmm. and you have never done anything untoward, we just don't believe anyone who's involved in this should be anywhere near a school. And it's, it's caused a huge hullabaloo, court cases, you name it. Yeah, I know there's been quite a few cases where not kinksters, but like ex-sex workers, their past line of work got found out. And obviously people had a think of the children, like mass panic. I actually have a personal story to relate on this front. Oh, really? Yep. So once upon a time, I was at a furry convention. And as much as like some, some members of the fandom would like to represent them as Disneyland, it's more like Disneyland with Disneyland after dark. Mm -hmm. And I was at a rubber gear and kink party in a room and met a very well hung and very fun young fur. And we kind of exchanged, you know, numbers and stuff. Mm -hmm. And after the convention we were at, I went home and because I am completely nuts for making sure my contact records are as up to date and complete as possible, I went, huh, well, I've got his phone number, but I don't think I have his email. I wonder if I Google his phone number if I can find the other and complete my records. Mm -hmm. Well, I did that and found him on rentboys.com immediately. And so I just sort of messaged him and said, hey, I didn't mean to nose around too much, but I was trying to get your email address and I found this. Is this you? And he had a near meltdown. He went, oh my God, I'm military. No one can know that I'm also doing sex work. It'll get me thrown out of the military. Please, please, please don't tell anyone. I'm like, of course I'm not going to tell anyone. But fun work fact, and one will go over, don't hand out your phone number to people if that phone number is also Googleable on a sex work site. That was, that was not me being Sherlock Holmes. That was like the most basic search anyone could do. And you can be assured your CO knows how to do that if they were ever inclined to. And he took that down and that was that. Yeah, it's worth, it's worth noting most companies, if they do a background check in the hiring purpose part or even just the HR, will mostly likely do just a cursory Google search of your name and information. Oh, kind of, kind of not. So in the United States, this got out of hand. Like it got out of hand to the point where people would come into job interviews and <clears throat> some companies would demand it and say, hand over your Facebook login now mm -hmm. we want to see. And it, it was just insane. So certain laws exist. They vary from state to state, which allow you to, in some cases, search for stuff. And in other cases, no, you cannot. And if you do that, that is a violation of the labor laws and your company can be sued to a fairly well. So it, it varies, but always assume that this is a guideline I use. And it's probably because I lived in Texas for 10 years and had uh -huh. horrible things happen to me in the workplace that would be flamingly illegal in other states. I always assume whatever state I'm in, no matter what the laws are, act like I'm still in Texas, but it has the most loosey-goosey pro-employer, anti-employee laws. Mm -hmm. they, can, they don't even have to offer workman's comp if you're injured on the job. They're, they're a, it's a really tough state to live and work in. Yeah. Yeah. So I think maybe we should start off by... Let's talk about the methodologies you can use to help create a barrier between people finding you. Yeah, so I would say one thing is keep in mind that technology has moved a lot since I was a, a young leather cub in the 90s, working my way on up. In the old days, it was not really that common for people to run searches. We were still doing Alta Vista. That would probably dates me. But now... For example, if someone has a picture of my face, they don't even need my email address. They can do a Google image search and we have facial recognition in the 20, mm -hmm. 21st century. So be careful where you put your face tick. If you want to have a face tick and you're concerned about your job, you can put up a hooded or masked pick, pup hoods, what have you. Obviously on a lot of sites, not having any face pick can be a point of contention, 
But if that's the case, just say, you know, it's available if you message me. It's there, but because of my job, because I'm a school teacher or I'm in the military or I work for a very religious organization mm -hmm. or whatever, you don't want that out there. I, I personally kind of split the difference. I don't advertise it to people, but I don't hide it. If someone approaches me about it, I'm like, yeah, it's me, but you'll note I don't bring it up in the workplace and you kind of sought this out on your own. So if you bring it up in the workplace, chances are I'll be going to HR and under the laws in my state, I won't be the one who's in the wrong. Now, you don't want to like go to the Omega option at the end there, but I do make it very clear to folks who find that out that like, mm -mm, this is not, this is not common water cooler chit chat, you know, maybe after hours we can do that. When I am on campus, I am the sheriff in town for systems administration and mm -hmm. treat me accordingly. Yeah. Uh, like this is the other thing. It's, it's one thing if like HR finds you, there are vindictive people out there. And I know a friend who has had quite a horrible time with someone trying to expose his kink life to his company, to his essentially employer as a sort of revenge vendetta. Now, he was lucky yeah. because work said, you know, this is your personal life. You don't bring it up. This is obviously um, someone trying to blackmail you. We are on your side. But even so, that experience wasn't very nice for him because he had to talk with his work colleagues about some very personal stuff. Yeah, and I mean, I guess part of what makes me a little less concerned is not only am I on excellent terms with the entirety of our HR department, mm -hmm. our HR department is 100% gay. So there, there is not a single person in our, our monumental three-person HR department, now it's down to two because it, it vacillates a bit, who isn't gay and that I haven't worked with now for like two, three more years. So it, it makes me less uncomfortable but I have a, I think will be very forthcoming, unique work situation that I really dig. Not everyone gets that luxury. So don't, don't push your luck. Yeah. So obviously we've covered, don't put your face out there so freely. The other thing, as we've discussed, is make sure identifying information like emails are kept separate. Now, I'm actually fairly open and quite sloppy with like guarding my information i use my real name on this podcast i you know have face pics up on my kinky kinky accounts that's because i do feel quite confident like the law being on my side um, yeah I, I i would say that's wise too mm. yeah. because i think i think in your case in the uk you've got it's a very different world, a very different world from the U.S. And I've always felt like the U.K. and Europe in general are a little better about not being, for lack of a better phrase, dicks about it. Yeah, I mean, it really depends where you are and who your employer is, because this is something that goes deep with um, problems with employer, employee, like laws and regulations. Having them in place is one thing. Being able to... Prove and enforce things is a different thing. Often employers will know if they fire someone, there won't be any recourse because the bar, like financially, time-wise, um, to hold them account, isn't worth it. Yeah. And, and, you know, getting back to the email address thing, this is more than just for work privacy. Like Facebook, if you sign up for Facebook and you use an email address because it is a sleazy company, they use that email address to track you all over the internet and link you to things. Very similar to what Google does. And so because I do IT for a living and all these other things, I've set up barriers to make sure folks can't do even that. Like my mm -hmm. Google login address is not my primary email address. It's an email alias. Back when I had Facebook, I, I threw it away some years ago because I concluded it, it wasn't good for my mental health or the state of my country. Yeah, it's terrible. But I made an alias for that too to make it harder for people to track me. And work is no different. There's a reason why ours are on here and have mm -hmm. an ours or email address. But if you find me gaming, I'm under a different alias. And if you find me professionally, I'm actually under an entirely different email domain. It's a .us domain even. So I, I have like a huge key rings worth of email addresses 
designed to section and partition off my information depending on what I am or am not comfortable sharing. Oh, yeah, I'm much the same. I have a set of login emails for safe for work stuff that I'd be happy for work to find. Almost a, kind of like a diversion. So I can go like, oh, you want my social media accounts? Here's my social media account. And I make sure it has no connection to my not safe for work accounts. Yeah, I think at this time I'm down to just untapped and telegram as social media. And I don't know what that says about me, fear and chatting. But if you have more than one social media presence, if you're on, say, Instagram, Twitter, Mastodon, Mm -hmm. you name it, a whole wide range of them, just be aware that you should also section those into before and after dark, because it is so common for people to stumble unintentionally onto each other's Twitters or Facebooks. You, you You don't want to cross the stream. Make sure that in addition to the email addresses, that you keep your nicknames, your handles, all of those things you need. I, I don't really use my Arzer handle when I'm like online playing games because hell, I've got a nephew and a niece. They're about, you know, they're coming up on gaming age. Yeah. I don't want to be like hanging out in a game and then, you know, being young, curious kids Googling something and going, hey, is Uncle Bear a kinky leather guy? They don't <laughs> need they don't need that in their, their realm of experience. I, I'm just the fun uncle who sends game cards. Oh, yeah. And, and you never know when things are going to get linked. So personal story time. My mum joined Instagram. And Instagram, for some even though I never linked my Instagram account with my Facebook account, I kept things separate. It recommended my After Dark Instagram account to my mother. So that was an interesting conversation. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Lord. My parents are are proper New Englanders. They know how to go into denial. Same with mine. Like, like she knows I do all this stuff. It's just not talked about. You know, I've I've even had, like, dildo deliveries arrive at the house when I was younger. And I went, oh, my God. And they don't open the box or anything. It just goes in somewhere. But even after it had been opened, I, I had to move to Texas on very short notice when I graduated from college. I was given a job offer, and because the recruiter couldn't read a calendar, womp womp, I, I found out I didn't have a month to move. I had two weeks, and I was like, shit, I'll just leave most of my stuff, and I'll just have my folks send out what I need, but I need to get my ass down to Texas if I'm going to start my career. And later on, they did send me stuff. And my sister got into some of my stuff. I had a copy of the book, Modern Primitives. If you're not familiar with it, it's about body modification and its tribal roots. And my sister got into that. She was like, I read that book and it was disgusting. I'm like, yeah, I expect that from you. But my parents, the guy I was dating at the time, Joel, he mm-hmm. received one of the shipments from my parents and opened it up and it was a giant double-headed dildo. And they had <laughs> apparently just packaged it up in a fugue state or whatever and blocked it out. memories yeah no it is very much like that i just remember i got an amazon package and it was uh bug spray and it Mm -hmm. came wrapped in basically a wooden cylinder cardboard it came in a cardboard cylinder and when i opened it up after i got home from work mum was my mum was like oh thank god i thought that was going to be one of your giant dildos (gasps) which oh my god which for starters I'm not that big of a bottom mum. I don't know where you got that idea. But... <laughs> <laughs> my dad couldn't even deal with the time I told him I like football players. You know, they know, they know that I'm not athletic. And he's like pointing at the screen during one Thanksgiving at a restaurant. And I'm like, dad, I, I don't like football, but I do like football players. And I've never seen someone get so uncomfortable so fast. I'm like, all right, back to denial. Yes, let's have turkey and not talk and just eat in silence and glare the proper New England way. Yes. But yes, going on to posting private pics, there is something which needs to be addressed, which is there's basically been a trend of people posting pictures of themselves from their work toilets. And this... Yeah, not good. Yeah, this basically does open you up to being fired, even in places like the UK, because you're essentially doing inappropriate things on work time in work office spaces. And there is now documented evidence of that. 
I can cop that story easily. And this happened back home in Boston uh, when I was living there most mm -hmm. recently. There was a local rubber pup. I don't know if he's still in the area. I think he might have moved subsequently. In government, he worked at City Hall. And he, he would post things like, you know, here I am keeping my kinky gear in my drawer at office. And I'm like, oh, that, that's bad. But yeah. then it really got bad when he put all of the gear on and was posting pictures of himself on all fours outside of City Hall in full rubber gear. I'm like, why don't you just like send up a signal flare that says I am up to stuff that will get you politically in trouble. That was not the way to handle a, a professional and political appointment at City Hall. Yeah. Yeah, it is. I get the attraction because it's dangerous and taboo and sexy and we all like that stuff, but like you kind of have to put that to one side and be sensible. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, and and you know, when I was younger, I got busted. First job ever, the one I rushed down to Texas for. The internet was young. I was young, and I was maybe browsing porn at work. Assume, and <laughs> someone caught a glimpse of something, but I had caught other guys browsing straight porn. So I'm like, clearly at this manufacturing plant, you know, maybe that we're in the IT section and we're working on documentation, but clearly I am not the only one doing it. And uh, fortunately, I managed to use my best poker face when I was confronted by my boss and go, of course, I'm not browsing that at the office. I have an internet connection at home. Why would I do that? She's like, okay, good. I just wanted to be sure. And I'm like, sucker. But I stopped after that. Yeah. I mean, I have to be careful just like opening my social media profiles at the minute. Because <laughs> I never know, because basically mine are mixed. So I never know what picture is going to pop up on my phone screen. Well, and also when I'm not working from home, which these days is not, not ever, I'm 100% I'm work from home. But when I'm on site, I tend to bring my own personal computer because I work in IT and I can do that or a tablet. And I use my phone as a hotspot because I don't even want my network traffic going across my employer's network because yeah. there are places that will have packet inspection, deep inspection in some cases, they have content filters, which sometimes will block you and send an alert to your IT team. Rather than deal with any of that, I, we live in the 21st century. You can very easily bring your own independent computing and network infrastructure. Dear God, please do that because mm -hmm. that, that really will save your bacon in many, many cases. Oh, yeah. So I think it's worth saying certain jobs do have legal requirements that prevent you from basically being open about this stuff. The big one I know of is doctors in the UK. Yeah, there's someone in Australia, again, let's not name names, but they're a doctor. They're a very well-known figure in the pup world. And they sort of like kicked open the medical closet door on their king in a very big way, including appearing on national television, which <laughs> a little, little international, actually, because I saw it too. <laughs> so I noticed after that there was a spike, and then suddenly they seemed to drop completely off the face of the earth. I suspect what happened is they tested the limits of what the professional world in the medical community in Australia was willing to tolerate, and they found it and probably were asked to keep it quiet. I know of an instance with Kingster in the United States. They work as sort of a fundraiser for arts charities, and they were very open about being a big old leather sex pig like getting fucked. And mm -hmm. boy, were they fun to watch. They also got blackmailed at work, as they described it. Someone found their stuff and said, if you don't knock it off, we're going to make sure you get fired. And this apparently happened to them twice. They got hit with it once, tried to come back like a year later or so, and then got hit with it again, and then just vanished off the face of the earth, except for their very professional profile. So again, if, if you get tagged for this, bad stuff can happen. Licensure can be revoked. You can lose your standing in the community, especially if you're a fundraiser. It's very important for you to have a certain image so that you know people mm -hmm. with deep pockets who tend to be more conservative will, will toss out money to a good cause. You, you gotta watch it very carefully. Yeah, I mean, it is worth knowing, again, this can come also come down to company culture. Like, 
So Buster, who we frequently have on, he was Mr. Leather UK 2019, and he was very open at work. And in his office, he has a full like leather flag hanging up by his work desk. And he's given talks. And because he approached that as a, from an advocacy point of view from, this is what I do as part of my community, that gave him an in rather than being essentially photos found out. And in my case, I, I kind of went the opposite way. After the pandemic started to abate, uh, ironically, that's when I had an opportunity to set up a proper home office. Mm-hmm. And because I was working out of my bedroom before, and I was like, dear God, do not turn on the web camera in this orientation, or they will see some pretty kinky fucking furry porn <laughs> framed on your wall under preservation museum glass, no less. They, they don't need to see pictures of like, bears having an orgy. But when I made my office, I made a conscious decision to make it as not necessarily neutral. Neutral sounds boring, but I, I've decorated it so that it's fun. You know, I've, I've got some art from a Canadian named Michael Rudolph who does uh, all this cool stuff with uh, Canadian World War II propaganda mm-hmm. posters and, and changing them around. I'm putting stuff like that in here and, you know, some of my neutral furry art. Like I have one I'm looking at right now with a stag hunting in the forest and, and my diploma and all kinds of other stuff. But I made a conscious decision. This is a neutral room, nothing kinky. And if there's anything personal in here, it's something that is a fun curio to discuss at work. Like I, I'm a big alien fan, as everyone knows. I've got an actual little bell mm-hmm. jar thing with a classic alien action figure. I've got my chess set for when I'm playing against one of my partners long distance from Canada to the US. I've got an Edison lamp and I have not one shred of furry porn in here. There's one <laughs> piece that would... There's one piece that will look great in here because it's green and I had the office done in green. And I actually looked at my partner Bailey for a bit and went, should I? And he went, no, no, you should not. Even if it's in a corner, you don't think they're going to see. No, you should not. And I went, you're right. And he's a doctor of psychology. He definitely has to watch it because there are things in this house that his colleagues shouldn't see. That would definitely get him much. Yeah. I, I mean, this is a new arena where people have to be careful now with working from home becoming much more common and hopefully permanently more common having to turn on your webcam and give people a little window into your home life can be a bit distressing i'm quite lucky because at my work they at the start they try to get people to always have their cameras on and the workforce largely rebelled so it's now you know, part that, of our company culture. You're not expected to be on video, only on audio. You know, it's funny because the product my company makes, the one I work for, <clears throat> is designed to get rid of that. We, we all have 3D avatars. We have a dressing room with a selection of clothes. Right now we're working on making them uh, gender agnostic so that you can wear any gender's clothing. We, we keep iterating on that. But one of the primary ideas was to get rid of things like Zoom fatigue or anxiety with constantly having your, your mug on the screen and with something in the background, there was no such thing as Zoom fatigue at our workplace because you're never on camera. It's always your avatar. And then we started doing these little segments where we would have, because we grew so quickly and needed to get to know each other, people appear on you know our webcam feature on our big in-world web screens to just talk about themselves for like a couple of minutes, the company all hands, and then turn it off. My God, did that give me anxiety? I, I was like, okay, I've got to make sure the room is posed just right. And mm-hmm. I've got, you know, this is good and the lighting's good. I felt like I was on some kind of a freaking, you know, television show. It's very anxiety provoking to have to be on camera. And I'm very grateful for the fact I have to do it like maybe once every year or two where I work and no more. But I cannot imagine what it's like to be under that kind of microscope daily. Yeah, it's it's definitely something I think needs to be done away with is the culture of always being like visually there through a webcam, because ultimately it's basically about control. It is. It's it's, in in a sense, it kind of feels like being like the eye of Sauron is falling on you and you're being inspected. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, because I know a lot of companies are trying to have pre-installed eye tracking software that will go through the work laptop's camera. 
Which, oh, gross. I mean, that's going to require some legal framework around that. Because well, that is and, just gross. And, well, and it doesn't really work because I'm sitting in my office now for this podcast and looking at the number of screens I have just open now without my regular work laptop and the ones on my workbench that I, I work on. I've got one, two, three, and if you count my, you know, Echo device, four screens just now. So how are you tracking people's eyes anyway? Which of my displays am I looking at? What am I working on? That just sounds like it's, it's a bad concept from someone with control issues. Yeah, totally. And I mean, we both work in IT. How many people do you know in the industry that automatically puts tape over their webcam when not in use? Almost all of them. And then I always lecture them and I go, buddy, you know, that doesn't do a damn thing for the mic, right? And they're like, no, 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 no. No, but it makes you feel a bit safer. <laughs> well, yeah, just like your mom telling you to wear clean underwear every time you leave the house in case you're in an accident makes her feel better, but does it really help anything? Yeah. No. So, yeah, so we've covered essentially that do be aware of the legal frameworks in certain perceptions professions often hr like in your work contract they will have things about not bringing the company into disrepute obviously you can always argue that if you weren't open and didn't deliberately give the name of the company then you should be well protected you know union representation does help yeah Uh, it's it's uneven and flaky in the U.S., though, I will say. There are things yeah. that unions can do for you and can't do for you. I worked briefly for a community college when I first landed here in the Pacific Northwest. And it was the first time in my life I've had to pay union dues and be in a union. They did nothing. I had colleagues who had worked for the college for 14 years. And because they were older, they were being forced out in what was so transparently age discrimination the unions, they did nothing. So it, it varies. Some unions, they'll go to bat for you. Other unions, they just like your dues. Yeah, I mean, with anything, it's worth doing your research into what union you join. Yeah. So again, don't post stuff from toilets or from your office space. And just make sure you keep like addresses, phone, phone numbers for different accounts separate. So make sure and there's no careful. cross-pollination. And be careful where you mention your company name. Keep in mind, you've been listening to this podcast, what's the name of my employer? Oh, yeah. I didn't mention that Mm -hmm. because I don't want to be stopped there. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And as, as you said, sometimes the danger doesn't come from the company. It can come from someone being quite vindictive. Yeah, people are mean. That's that's the universal constant about humans is humans can be super mean and... Some folks do this not necessarily because you've done anything to hurt them mm-hmm. or vex them. It's just because, <laughs> to quote a Batman movie, some people just want to see the world burn. Yep. So, so before recording this, I put a little a post out on the social medias through the podcast's uh, various accounts, just asking for people for their sort of experiences or their thoughts. So first up, from Twitter... We've got one from Maxim Lupin. Now, I'll tell people to go check out his account because he's also a content creator. He mostly works in like making YouTube videos about leather culture and sex positive videos. He did a really good in-depth review of Dungeon Beds. Oh, I love that company. Yes. Can I just can I just say one cool thing about Dungeon Beds? By the way, no promotional consideration was paid mm-hmm. for by. So I used to live in the Santa Cruz Mountains. Do you get the impression I move around a lot? Because I have. I was up there for about eight months, and I was living with a kinkster up there. Uh-huh. Moved away, and this past year, in 2020, because apparently hell yawned wide for everyone, he lived up in the Santa Cruz Mountains, beautiful redwoods and everything else, lovely home that burned to the ground in a forest fire with the rest of the town. It, it just the whole town burned. It was a terrible, horrible tragedy. Hmm. But in the middle of the ashes of his house, one of the very few things that remained was the dungeon bed. And it had taken some damage from the intense heat, but it was still salvageable. 
And I'll be damned if he says Dungeon Beds didn't reach out to him and offer to restore it free of charge wow. as a promotional thing. So wow. Dungeon Beds, if you are listening, thank you for taking care of our own and thank you so much for helping someone in distress because of the wildfires. You guys rock and I hope one day to own one of your products. I just need to get the ceiling fan out of my bedroom. <laughs> wow, that is a really cool story. So yes. The pictures are astounding, but anyway. <laughs> so yes, so Maxim Lupin wrote in, I was out of the kink closet at a previous gig, mostly because I like wearing leather everywhere, but I'm more closeted for this gig. How do you manage the stress of keeping the two lives separate? I know where I stand on this, but love to hear you all cover it. This is an easy one. <laughs> Just because you wear it doesn't mean people have to see it. I have been with submissives with their masters who went out to nice restaurants with us and they wore a big old baggy hoodie because they had leather cuffs on their wrists and they had a harness on under their clothes. If you are careful and smart, there are ways to incorporate discreet pieces of gear under your clothing where people will not see it. Wear a leather jock to work. Who's going to know? Your little secret. Just like some people like wearing silk undies or whatever. Just make sure it's not visible. Also, I'll say I have found everyday ways to work leather into my clothing in such a way that folks actually stop me and go, that's really cool and vintage. Like my watch band, it looks just like, you know, a, a leather cuff mm-hmm. for my Apple Watch. Got it from a, a nifty company on Etsy out of Eastern Europe. Looks just like it came out of the Mr. S catalog, but the comments I get are like, wow, that's old school. That's like 60s era stuff. And I'm like, yeah, I I like my vintage leather. And I don't tell them, yeah, I like making sure I have a leather cuff on that you don't know what it is. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, there's plenty of sort of leather-esque accessories. I mean, do you remember Space Daddy? I do not. So... He was one of the people who worked on the robotic probes sent to Mars. Oh, okay. And in a press release, he was shown among the team. And he basically had one of those leather leg strap harnesses that clips to your belt. Big, thick chain, bald head with a nose ring. And pretty much his picture went around Twitter, everyone going, okay, we all know this guy's part of the leather community, right? Just, Just from the picture. And he came out and said, like, yeah, I am. And he made a bit of a career of it being science daddy and ex- like going in full leather, explaining like how Martian NASA programs work. I would go to that lecture. I also, I like to wear a leather vest every so often. I mean, leather vests don't raise that much attention. In Texas, it was, I had a, a leather Outback hat I would wear around and a leather jacket sometimes in the colder months. Uh, I often got asked, where's your motorcycle? I'd say like, uh, it's it's a dealership where I haven't bought it because I don't own one. But yeah, I mean, there are lots of things you can wear. A nice leather jacket is not just for the bars. It is a thing of beauty. And I even have one I got for 50 bucks because the leather company was kind of like fly by night and I restored it myself. I put in the dye, I conditioned it. I sealed it with resoline and it's like my everyday leather jacket because it's not a big expensive piece of fetish gear. I was easy, easy, make something you can wear every day. There are so many ways to incorporate gear every single day into what you wear. Yeah. I mean, in his post, he does talk about it being more closeted and there was an effect of essentially a lot of people describe being like a leather man or a fetish guy as part of their identity. And having to hide that can be stressful. Like, well, I this... know, because so much of my weekend activity revolves around, like, the leather community here, I'm extremely limited in what small talk I can make with my colleagues. And I think that's worth noting. It's like, so one of my managers keeps saying, I would really like you to get you onto, like, this public speaking program, because I think you'd do well out of that. And I have mm. to bite my tongue and tell her, you know, I have given talks to an entire packed out theater full of people because I can't tell them that because it was a talk on bondage. 
you know, I, I try to find ways to sort of file the serial numbers off on those things. And what I mean by that is once I was at a job interview in California with someone who was a colleague, I was actually trying mm -hmm. out for a job in California so I could transfer from Massachusetts out that way. Didn't come together and, and probably wasn't the right opportunity, but I was out there primarily for a furry convention and furry conventions, people don't see the 360 on them. They just think of the king. Mm -hmm. And so when I was asked, so what brought you out to this coast anyway? You know, it seems like you were just here to interview. Did you come out just to do that? I went, no, I'm here for a sci-fi fantasy convention. He went, oh, okay. And he, he took that. And I was comfortable with that. My colleague, who is also a furry and was also going to the same convention and lived locally, worked with our employer, got really anxious on the car ride after. He's like, I, I just want you to know, we, 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 we don't talk about that. I'm like, what did I say other than just we're at a convention? Like, well, he could search it out and he could find it. And yeah, he could. I'm not going to connect those dots for him. And if he pursues them, I would have a pretty good case against him. Just you can make things generic. You don't have to tell everyone every little detail. If you're going to tell someone something, find a way to file the serial numbers off and make it more general. And then that gives you something to talk about. But getting back to the whole anxiety thing, now you're, now you're in my lifting cup of soup here because, mm -hmm. as I said, my partner is a doctor of psychology. There are ways to, to reduce that anxiety about keeping your lives separate. And one of them might be find a group of other professionals in your field or that you feel you have some connection with who are also kinksters. And have a little, you know, coffee clutch online to talk about, you know, let's, let's say it's illegal. You know, today we were working on this case and I had all these feelings because it has these implications for the leather community. Like in Massachusetts, there was a law passed that you couldn't have uh, sharp needles and it really impacted the people who were into needle play. Maybe you want to find a group of, of fellow legal professionals to hang out with and say, you know, this new law about sharks is just bullshit. I know they're trying to reduce, you know, drug use, but come on, it's a needle. You know, it's, it's used for lots of things. Find somewhere you can talk with other people, but it doesn't have to be in the workplace to talk about that. Yeah, I think that's a good, good idea is just building up and maintaining connections outside the workplace that lets you feel your fullest and most complete self. Yeah, I run one on Telegram as well for IT firms. And, you know, that's one of the ways we vent because some of us are very bold about what they'll wear into the workplace. Some of us push our luck. I once posted a picture of myself in fursuit, but I did it because they asked, what did you dress up for for Halloween? And mm. with, a wink, with a wink and a nod, I'm like, here I am, big old giant bear, made at least three children cry in terror. Great night. <laughs> so yeah, Brilliant. there are ways to do it. Yeah. Okay. So next in the lineup, we have one from at Boot Black Toko, who we've had on the show before. He's one of uh, the co-founders of the UK Boot Black Association with me. Great friend. And so he works at a sex shop or fetish shop. And he wrote in, working in kink is great but it also does mean the thing you do for fun also becomes the thing you do for work, which can be exhausting at times. Be nice to kink retail staff and sex workers. We still deserve to have separate work life and kink life, even if there is more overlap. Amen. Yeah. I, cause I know several people who do or have at times worked in fetish shops and the amount of people that go in expecting them to essentially they want it to be the start of a porno where they make flirtatious remarks and they end up having sex in the shop. Like mm. just mm. because they work in a sex-based establishment, be it retail or sex work, doesn't mean they're automatically into you. And, and you have to have good boundaries. When I lived in the um, Cedar Springs, Oaklawn gay ghetto, way back in the 90s, it's gone now, sadly, there was a leather shop, Shades of Grey. And because I lived in the neighborhood and folks worked in the neighborhood, you know, we would hang out and chat in the, you know, leather shop and other stuff. But when they're off duty and I run into one of them at the bars, we're just hanging out, having a beer. So how was your week? Oh, that was pretty good. Oh, uh, yeah. You see that thing on TV? Yeah, it sucks. Whatever. You have to have 
good mental boundaries for that type of stuff. Yeah, and it's just customers be respectful. Like nothing drives me more nuts than seeing people treat retail workers horribly. Well, well, yeah, and and I want to also say, we we all say this, and we all know that sometimes in customer service scenarios, we're not always perfect people because things can get tense. But do your best. Understand that the person you're working with is a person and they're working a job and that's for cash. And then when they're off duty, don't we all like to relax? And if you like the services they're providing in that capacity, give them the chance for self-care so they can recharge and come back to their job refreshed and keep doing it. If you hound them outside of the job, they'll just burn out and then you're going to lose everything that you like about that. Yeah. And there's the other part which Toko talked about, which is mixing pleasure and your job can kind of bring your pleasure down like turning something you like doing into work can have negative consequences i know a lot of sex workers when they're having a very good lucrative month also just don't have sex for enjoyment that much it's that way for any profession if you're in tech you know computers we we love working with them in our spare time Mm -hmm. but there are many days where i'm like i do not want to be in front of a screen i am going to go hike at lacrimus creek i am going to look at pretty trees and birds and water and fish and i am the only screen i'm going to see is the one on my watch as i track my fitness for how far i've hiked the end yeah sometimes you need a break yeah like Nothing drives me more nuts than that um, saying, just do what you love for a job and you'll never work another day in your life. And that is very wrong. That's not how it works. It becomes a tiresome job that you have to deal with. So my advice is don't do what you love. Do what feels fulfilling. Like if you do a fulfilling worthwhile job, like I know not everyone's lucky enough to be able to get that, then even the nastier parts of the job kind of become easier to take if you know you're having a positive effect on the world. And, and even though I love my job, I will say computers are fucking frustrating, man. Mm-hmm. There, are days, there are days when I am just about three inches away from throwing my MacBook Pro out the window because it's done something else dumb. I love my job and I, I love coming in every day. But it's work. I come in to work, not to like go, hey, here's this neat thing to play with. It's more like, oh, how can I improve the efficiency of importing dozens of people every week into our cloud-based account system? That's, that's not fun. That's knuckle-down time. Yeah. Okay, so moving on, we've done all our Twitters. Now we've got the Mastodon comments. So... A fear at woof.group. He actually runs the server, Mastodon server, our podcast is hosted on. So thank you very much for that. I wore my collar to the office and gave conference talks in full cow, but I don't think that's common. Ha ha. So I have to say, yeah, not that common, but great if you've got a workplace that will accept you for doing that. Good if you can get it, as they say. Yep. We also have gingerpupgraham at rubber.social. He says... So, piece of advice, don't follow your work's Twitter account with your slightly not safe for work Twitter account. I've forgotten about doing so, and when I got my first puphood, I was so excited I tweeted about it, only to be met the following day with, quote, morning, honey bitch, I saw your new puphood, quote, end quote. And now all, st- all staff at work know I'm a puppy, so I can easily go to work like this now. Again, it's great that it worked out. It's great that you had an accepting workplace. But yeah, this just goes to show, be careful about keeping your like social media presences separate. If, if I were to just take a moment here and diverge into a tangent from the sacred timeline, as, as Loki fans would say, I would say in a alternate timeline, the better way to handle this would have been keep your after dark and your safe for consumption Twitter feed separate right? Make sure the after dark feed is locked in friends only. And then the for public consumption one is the one that can follow your employer being very careful not to post or retweet anything that is political or social in a way that will generate controversy in the era of cancel culture. Whether we like it or not, 
whether we're influencers or not, we are all held to the same standards as influencers when we decide to participate in social media. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's very true. So the last one we have is Damn it, Moo Moon at Woof.group. Cool uh, reference, dude. Yep, definitely. I experience love as part of my kinky self, and I can't turn off kink without stopping feeling it. But I've become pretty good at finding ways to be kinky without being seen. Photos that look innocent unless you already know that I'm kinky. For example, like I'm standing while my pups are sitting cross-legged on the floor, or my pups are doing acts of service. And yeah, this kind of goes back to what we were talking about with uh, Maxim Lupin's question, where you can find ways to essentially be stealth kinky. Yeah. It helps that there's a lot of stuff where if people don't already know what's going on, they'll assume a large amount of that it's just everyday stuff. You can hide a tree in a forest is is the philosophy here. If you're doing something that could be considered kinky, like I have one hell of a wallet chain. It it is extremely Mm -hmm. heavy. But when people ask about it, it's not like, yeah, I like having a heavy wallet chain and a big wallet. That's kind of what I like at bars when I'm wearing my chaps and everything else. Instead, I go, yeah, it's chain mail. It's a three and six weave. And that is the conversation jumping off point for me, where they go, really? It's chain mail? Yeah, this wallet chain is chain mail. So there, there's a way to hide a forest or a tree in a forest. And that is the way to, to do it. Yeah. So I think that's everything we've really covered for this. I mean, obviously, if anyone has any thoughts or experiences, please write in. We'd love to hear them. Yes, good and bad. If you, if you feel like you have a situation that happened and you're like, hey, I, I just want to talk about this thing that happened to me, that's cool. Or if you're like, hey, this is something that really worked for me and made my work life so much better and added kink without risk, so much better too. We'd love to hear all of it. Yeah, it's fantastic. Obviously, you can reach the show uh, through our Gmail, Mastodon, Twitter, or just uh, we have a contact us forum on our website, uh, kinkyboyspodcast.com. And of course, you can always contact us through our Patreon. Well, and, you know, always we have our personal accounts too. Right now, just about nothing. I'm taking a little post-pandemic break because (laughs) this is not me blowing my own horn. Once the vaccinations started going out, every boy on the face of the planet started stampeding for masters. And I'm like, I need a little break. I can't service 25 boys at once. I'm almost 50 now. I've collapsed to dust. I'd say that's a, that is a good problem to have, though. Yeah, I've just taken on one in the Washington area. Very enthusiastic 21-year-old. Got oh, problems. Nice. Yeah. Cool. So you can find me at at bootback at Boot Black Cub at Bear.community on the Bear.community server and at Boot Black Cub most other places around the internet. Cool. So with that, I hope you've enjoyed the show. And as always, listeners, please play safe. Yep. Look forward to talking with y'all next time.